Amen. That was a great testimony by Beverly. I want to ask you to keep Beverly in your prayers because she's actually had a little bit of a setback just from uh, a reaction to the radiation, which obviously is oftentimes even as bad as the cancer itself. So um, she had a couple of seizures this past week from that, but I just ask that you keep her in your prayers. But God has blessed her, and she's such a woman of faith, and she's an encouragement to us all. I love what she says because this entire time, you know, this kind of gets gives me a preface into the message this morning because I want to speak directly into competing voices. You can hear a report in your life. It could be about your health. It could be about your family. It could be about any situation. And when those things come into our life, when difficulties, challenges, struggles come into our life, let me tell you something, there's a lot of competing voices that try to push you in one direction or the other, trying to get you to believe something other than what God is saying about your situation. And so that's what I want to speak about this morning. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called Did God Really Say? But this morning I want to speak about competing voices. Uh, before I get into that, I want us to pray. And I want to give you just a few announcements before we dive in. Uh, the first announcement is we're, we're launching two services. We announced this last week, but we're launching two services at... Uh, It'll be March the 19th, so we still got a few weeks before we do that, but on March the 19th specifically, we will launch two services and go to 9 and 11 a.m. And we asked last week for those of you who didn't serve in a ministry role to go ahead and jump in on that. Man, and a lot of you all signed up, so give yourself a hand clap. Praise God. You guys are pretty excited about what you did right there, I can tell. I mean, this morning... We gotta move. We're gonna move this church from golf clap to like stadium clap at one time. Like it's gonna be amazing when the transition happens too. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna jump off this stage and lay hands on somebody. Amen. So 9 and 11 on March 19th. And then if you are interested in getting connected with our church, you can uh, let somebody know at the welcome desk or you can sign up for next steps. Uh, if you go to our website, cityofhopechurch.org, you can click the next steps tab and it'll take you to a place where you can sign up and let us know. But step three will be uh, next next Sunday at 1 o'clock. Also, giving statements for uh, last year, 2022. If you gave to our church, you want your giving statements so you can put that in your taxes along with uh, our, our financial statement from the church. You can get that out at the welcome desk following service. And then next week, we're in our about um, probably fourth week coming up this week of small groups. If you're not in a small group, we'd love to get you in one. So they're, they're still open for anybody to come. You can let somebody know out there and we'll, we'll, we'll get you thrown into one of those as well. But next week, we're going to take a little break on small groups because we're going to have a prayer night on Wednesday night here at 6.30 on uh, March the 8th. So that's not this week, but that is next week, March the 8th. And of course, always with giving, you can go on our website or you can give out there in the boxes. Amen. Amen. Love announcements. Praise God. So Genesis 3, chapter 1 is where we are at. Um, and we've been in this now for a few weeks, and I'm, I'm taking a little two-week break because we've been in this sermon series. Matter of fact, I get messages sometimes like, Clay, you, you still in this sermon series? Because I'm inviting some people, and I don't know if I want to invite them or not. You know what I'm talking about? We've been talking about marriage. We've been talking about sexuality and digging into some things. And, and listen, I'm going to go back into some things here in a couple of weeks, but I'm taking a little break, and I want to speak directly just to your relationship with the Lord this morning and some of the personal battles that you may be facing, some of the voices that you may be listening to. And so in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, it says that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So can we just pray over this word right quick this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. Because we believe that your word is truth. And so Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. You come to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. And Lord, when you come, you expose the lies of the enemy that we are believing in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray, Lord, that you would expose that in each of our hearts and our minds so that by your truth that we hear this morning in your word, we could be set free and walk in the freedom, Lord Jesus, that you've called us to walk in. We ask it and we believe it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're living in a time where there are a lot of competing voices. And we've been talking about how in our culture, even when it comes to what we believe about who we are as human beings, about how we should practice life, about what is good and what is evil, 
Ultimately, that was the argument of Satan in the beginning. He said, did God really tell you you shouldn't eat of that tree? The Lord knows that when you eat of that tree, that you're going to become just like him and you will be able to decide for yourself what is good and what is evil. And that is the lie that permeates our culture even today. It's still the same thing. It's set a precedent in Scripture. It's the law of first mention. We know that when you see something as the first, it's the first lie that Satan told, and it was a deceptive lie. He tries to get you to question what God is saying about who you are, about what the truth is, and about what the good life looks like. And he's always trying to uh, get questions to rise up in your heart and in your mind about what God's calling you to and, and whether or not you're capable, whether or not you have the ability. And so he wants to push you down because here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you know, maybe, maybe Satan says, well, you know, I can't, I can't really get them to, to quit believing in Jesus. I can't steer them away. But if I tell them enough lies about who they are, maybe I can make them powerless. Maybe I can render them ineffective in the kingdom of God. Maybe I can make them so fearful that I quench the Spirit's work in their life so that they don't move forward and reach anybody else. And He is constantly at work in our world. And many of us, when I talk to people, if I just have a conversation with them, they'll open up about what they're going through. They'll open up about what they're feeling. And they will make statements, myself included, but I will make statements, people will make statements. And the statements they are making, I can promise you this, they did not get from their heavenly father so they're listening to another voice believing that voice and speaking it and prophesying it over their own lives and so it's important that we understand one what God's word says but we've got to ask ourselves what voices are we listening to in Genesis 1 through 2 God spoke about 20 different times right out of the gate and God said and God said and God said and then he kneels down because I want you to understand something God the, the humanity began with a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ with with God in the Father and what happens is God the Father says let us make man in our own image and after our likeness and the scripture says that he knelt down and he blessed them the word he blessed them he, he formed him out of the dust of the earth he breathed into Adam the breath of life and when Adam drew his first breath he looked into the eyes of his father and at that point he had a spirit that was so open to communion with the father that the only voice that he heard was the father's voice so he knew his identity he knew who he was called to be. He understood that he was a child of the living God and that he had authority and dominion over the entire earth and that he had charge over that garden and that as long as he knew his father's voice, he could literally make that garden reflect heaven as he reflected the God that he worshipped. He knew that. He knew his identity. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, in the midst of communing with God, knowing his voice, now having a wife, now having a relationship with not God but just his wife and cultivating the earth to look like heaven as God's ambassador, another voice slithers in. And in your own life, I'm telling you, there are voices that are slithering in. If you were to take an evaluation, I was just thinking about that song that we were just singing, Your Goodness is Running After Me. Like how many of you this week had a thought in your head and was just like walking down the road all jolly and said, You know what, God, your goodness is chasing me down. Most of the time we don't say stuff like that. Most of the time we say, Golly, another day. I mean, my, nothing ever goes right. These people always aggravate. We speak the devil's lies out of our mouth. We don't have a biblical mindset. We don't have a biblical worldview. And we go with the current of what the darkness is currently saying in our lives. And we come into agreement with it. And it's a battle. But see, we understand that Satan comes in and he comes to interrupt that worship and that communion between God and man. You know, we've been trying to pray a lot here as a church. One thing, we actually had a prayer from 9 to midnight uh, on Friday night. And we were here in the... Um, most people be like, man, how are you going to pray three hours? The Lord Jesus didn't even ask his disciples. He just said, just watch with me one hour. You call people three hours of prayer, it's crazy. Uh, but we were in here for three hours, and I tell you, for the people that stayed the whole time, we all came to the conclusion at the end, it felt like about 15 minutes. Because the presence of God just settled in here. And we would go and we would pray for one another. But here's the thing. You know what we never said over one another when we were praying or even, even when we, we felt the presence of God? When you, feel, when you sense the presence of God, the voice you don't hear is, you know what, you're a piece of trash. You don't hear that in the presence of God. You don't get filled with the Holy Spirit and moved to go pray for a brother or sister and say, you know what, things are going to get worse. 
You don't speak that. Why? Because when you're in the presence of God, you hear the voice of God. And His voice is a voice of salvation. It's a voice of redemption. It's a voice of hope. It's a voice of healing. And see, we have the enemy that comes against us because the last thing he wants is for you to be in communion with the Father and hearing the truth of His voice. And you got to be aware of that because God's inviting us all back into the secret place where He says, Son, daughter, I need you to hear my voice because I need you to know who you are in this hour because something that you need to know is the voice you listen to is the voice that is going to define you. The voice you listen to is the voice that is going to define you. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. My question to you is when, the, when is the last time you heard His voice speaking to you? Speaking to you about who you are, about who you are called to be. Because they listen to that voice. Did God really say? Did He really say that about you? Is that really who you are? Did He really say, don't do that? God's holding out on you. God doesn't have your best intentions in mind. If God really loved you, why would this happen this way? And all of these voices start to come in and they believed it. They accepted it. They sinned. Their lives changed, and the Scripture says they hid from the presence of the Lord. Many people live lives hiding from the presence of the Lord. And the only voices they hear are the voices of culture and the voices of the demonic because they're never tuned in to the voice of God. In Genesis 3.8 it said, And they heard, notice this, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. His, his voice is in His presence. This is why the most important thing that you can do, obviously there's so many practices that, that are good to benefit the Christian life, right? Coming to church, being in a fellowship with believers, worshiping together, hearing the Word of God preached, reading your Bible, all of those things are essential. But we've been talking so much about you taking the Word of God into the secret place because guess what? Your Father is in the secret place and it's there that His voice speaks directly to you from His Word and from that intimate place of prayer with Him. All of a sudden you begin to hear the voice of God speaking over you and tears fall from your face as you receive your true identity that this world is not labeling you with because it comes from the voice of your Father. What's keeping you from God's presence? I'm going to tell you something. It ain't the Father's voice. It's the voice of culture. It's the voice of the enemy keeping you out of God's presence, saying somehow that it's not there for you. But all temptation to sin is the temptation to believe a lie or an illusion about reality. Most of the time when we talk about the devil or Satan, and here's the thing, you know, sometimes Christians are like, oh, Clay, you shouldn't talk about the devil and Satan. Let me tell you something. If the Bible talks about it, I'm going to talk about it, and y'all just going to have to get used to it. Because it is my standard of truth. It's what God has given me, and He said, this is my word. Without this, you will crumble. You won't know truth. So the spirit of truth comes to bear witness with the word of truth and that is what transforms our lives and it gives us a foundation to stand on. When we reject scripture, we reject the truth of God's voice and God's word. And so that comes into our lives and we need that in our lives. Why? Because Satan's primary strategy, you talk about Satan, you think about a horror film, you think about somebody spitting up pea soup and, and all kinds of uh, demonic scary stuff. But the most deceptive thing and the primary strategy that Satan uses in your life is simply a thought that sounds true but is a lie. His primary strategy is a subtle lie in your mind that you begin to adopt as the truth and it transforms slowly who you are. And here's the thing, Satan's a good liar. He don't come with bald-faced, blatant lies all the time, even though in our culture we do see some bald-faced, blatant lies. Wouldn't you agree? We see bald because, because we have progressed there. There are things that culture says right now that 20 years ago we would have laughed at. And said, I can't even believe people are saying that. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard of. But now we have so progressed down a slide that now we're swallowing lies that just 20 years ago we'd have said, man, that's a blatant lie, but now we're starting to question it. I mean, maybe that is the way that it is. You know, maybe God didn't really make things this way. Maybe that's not exactly how that it is. So when Satan brings you a lie, let me tell you something, it feels true. It feels very true. You ever had a thought pop up in your mind? I mean, even when I was about to take over this church, I get thoughts all the time. Clay, you're a piece of trash. Get out of the ministry. It felt true. Sometimes it felt like the truest thing I knew. 
Like, man, I am a piece of trash. <laughs> Have you, anybody in here amen me this morning? Like, I've been there. I've been, I felt that. I've heard that lie, and I've felt it, and it felt true. You should get out of the ministry. You're not going to do anybody any good. How are you going to get up there and preach and speak knowing this is going on? In your, how you, and you hear those voices and you agree with them. Why? Because they feel true. They feel true, but are they the truth? And the question is, what do you believe is true? Let me give you a few voices that you're going to hear. And there's a lot of voices that you're going to hear in this world. But number one, the first voice that you're going to hear is the voice of accusation. The voice of accusation. Satan in the Hebrew language is actually a title. It's not his name and you can get different theology, but we could all probably agree that Satan uh, was a fallen angel uh, named Lucifer, light holder, right? And that he manifests himself as an angel of light, Scripture says. When he comes, he doesn't usually like to come with a pitchfork and red horns. He likes to manifest himself as an angel of light so that he deceives you into believing that what he's offering you is true. It sounds good, it feels good, it's wrapped up in love, it's wrapped up in, 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 in pleasure, it's wrapped up in all of these things. And when he comes though, he comes as a light holder. But see, his title given to him by God is Satan, which is a title, and it means accuser, the adversary, the opponent, the one who brings an accusation. This is why in Revelation 12, 10 it says, Then I heard a loud voice. Somebody say loud voice. Because sometimes God is trying to speak louder than all the other voices. But you need to understand this. God is not always going to comp compete with all the voices that you tune into. Sometimes you've got to shut some voices off and say, God, I want to hear your voice. And when you tune into it, it becomes the loudest voice in the room. It drowns out every other voice. He said, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying this, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. Notice this. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan is the accuser of our brethren. He is your accuser. He's my accuser. And he brings accusation against us and those accusations are meant to confront us in a variety of ways. But see, the enemy's first accusation was actually not against humanity. His first accusation was against God. Did God really say, can you really trust God? What about what just happened in your life? What about the pain that you've experienced? Can you trust God? I mean, he's let you down this many times. He's not healed you in this situation. You asked for freedom in this and it didn't come. Can you really trust God? Did God really say he was going to do this? And all of a sudden those questions, those thoughts, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because many of you, you're dealing with it right now. You're dealing with it right now and he brings an accusation against God's character, against his faithfulness and whether or not he has the best intentions for you and then he begins to mock and ridicule his word. So that you'll say, man, that's outdated, that's not for me, that's not good for me. And it slowly brings you into a place of bondage. But see, he's going to accuse God to you, but then he's also going to accuse you to God. And then he's going to accuse you to you. And he's going to say, listen, man, you're not worthy to be, you, you shouldn't even come to church. Because if people know, knew what you did, and they found out and you were exposed, man, not only would they be mad at you, God would be mad at you. You can't come into the presence of God. You can't pray to God. God's not going to hear your prayers. He knows what you've done. Anybody ever heard those voices? It, it, it eats people up from the inside. They, they're, they're, they're dominated by shame and unworthiness because they constantly hear the voice of accusation accusing them in order to criticize them, condemn them, devalue and demean them in order to mar the image of God and everyone around them. And oftentimes what Satan will do is he'll accuse another to you. And he'll accuse you to another. Why? To stir division among you. And you got these thoughts in your mind. You know what? I bet they said that because of this. I bet they're doing that because, oh, I know their motives. You better go ahead and guess that you probably don't know their motives. And God has called us to love one another, and, but we've got to pay attention to the voices that we're listening to. But here's something that's interesting. I actually read this this morning, and it caught my attention because in our culture, we don't really fully realize this. In, okay, if, if Satan is the accuser of the brethren, if you do a New Testament word study, 
The word accuse or accusation in the Gospels is 11 times in the Gospels. Each time out of the 11 times, do you know who it's associated with? It is associated with religious leaders bringing an accusation against Jesus. Sometimes the devil's greatest weapons are religious people. Man, that'll preach right there. I got, help me on that, Lord, because I just about took off. I mean, it, 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 we were sitting here, you know, just praying the other night and pe people talking about, people are talking about uh, the Asbury revival and so many people got so many, everybody's got an opinion about everything that happens. If God moves, everybody's got an opinion. And people just speaking negatively about it. I said, what, what kind of place do you got to get into to see hundreds of young people worshiping God and singing songs to the Lord and say somehow, I don't agree with that. I mean, honestly, if that's one of you in here this morning, I'm going to pray that religious spirit breaks off of you. Because what kind of a place do you have to get into to see God? Look, they could be out at the strip club. They could be over here getting drunker than dogs. They could be doing all kinds of things. But you've got a religious spirit on you when you can only find something negative out of people singing songs to the Lord. Here's the thing. Many churches do not have their doctrine and their theology all perfect. Could they be preaching more of the gospel up there at Asbury? They probably could. But won't you quit criticizing and start seeking the Lord and look for an opportunity to minister the gospel to somebody yourself? Because if we would quit criticizing the move of God and get involved in the move of God, we would be much more effective as the children of God. The religious spirit ain't interested in a move of God. The religious spirit is, is interested in criticizing every possibility of a move of God. So when God begins to move, people get jealous and they get envious and they say, that wasn't God. Man, I've been in that same situation. You know, the, they were always trying to accuse Jesus. Why? Because they tried to find a place where he was a heretic. Look, I hate heresy as much as the next guy. And when a heretic needs to be exposed... Let it be so, but I'm telling you something. There are some heresy hunters out there that are trying to dig up heretics around every single corner, and they're busy doing the devil's work. Yeah. Amen. I'm sorry I took a break on that. But sometimes you're going to hear that religious voice. And I'm going to tell you something else about that religious voice while I'm on a rant, okay? Something else about that religious voice is it, is it doesn't like unreasonable worship. It doesn't like three-hour prayer meetings. It doesn't like it when somebody gets passionate and weeps around an altar. It's a voice that tells you, I don't really feel led to raise my hands. It's a voice that tells you, I, I just never have been led to pray at an altar. Well, let me tell you something. Here's the thing about being led. Sometimes you just need to obey Scripture. Scripture says, I would that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. If the Word of God says it, I think I'm going to try to step into it. If it says to sing a joyful song to the Lord, I'm going to open my mouth and begin to sing a joyful song to the Lord, regardless of how introverted I may be. Do not allow a religious spirit to keep you into a place of reasonableness. God is calling you. There's a voice, man, that says, don't press too deep into God. Don't get too good. Them people's crazy. They pray too much. Listen, some of y'all will binge 60 hours of Netflix, but you won't pray one hour. Man, I'm preaching good this morning. I'm coming off of it. I'm coming back. Praise the Lord. This is meant to be encouraging this morning. All right, I'm coming off the religious spirit because some of you are dealing with the spirit of accusation. This is good, right? Y'all good this morning? I'm telling you, I know some of that, some of you are like, oh gosh, that hurt a little bit, that offended me. But sometimes when a word like that comes, it comes to cut something away. It comes to cut something away. And I'm telling you, there are some people, you know, sometimes people even come into our church and they, all these questions, all these, well, they're asking this and they're asking this and they're asking, let me tell you something about this. I tell a lot of people in this church, you may not like our church. Because here's the thing, we're not here to cater to your questions or your traditional backgrounds. We are here to worship God in the expression that He has called us to worship Him in. If you disagree with it, praise the Lord, that's fine with me. But we ain't called to minister to people in their feelings and in their emotions and what they think is right. Because let me tell you something, what I found is that 99.9% .9 of people are wrong. The only one I've ever found to be right is Jesus Christ. Amen. This is work humility in all of us a little bit this morning. 1 Timothy 5.19, he says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder. 
And, and here's the, because sometimes people, will, you'll, you'll take an accusation, people accuse people to you, well, they said this or they said that or they meant, you've got to be careful what kind of accusations you receive. He said, don't receive an accusation against an elder except in the mouth of two or three witnesses. But here's what I want you to understand too. In the same context, that word receive, sometimes the enemy is going to bring an accusation against you. And what you need to tell him is, I don't receive that. I'm not, you can tell me what I am today, but that ain't what the word, I may feel like that's what I am today, but that's not what the word of God says that I am. So I'm not receiving that accusation, Satan. I reject that accusation and I put it back to you because God's voice and our voice is not one of accusation, but it is a voice of reconciliation. Some people feel in the church and outside of the church when we invite people to church, they say, you know what, I would love to come to church, but I mean, I fear God and I know the situation that I'm in and I know if I come to church... Man, the walls would be liable to fall in on me. Maybe, you know, if we were in the old covenant, yeah, maybe God would strike you dead. And I mean, in the new covenant, he might. I don't, he's got his own prerogative. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins. And there's now a, a, a door that has been opened through his flesh on the cross. And there's not a voice of accusation against you. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn and accuse the world of their sins, but I came into the world so that they might be saved. I've died on the cross, stripping the enemy of his power to ever accuse you that if you will repent of sin and you will turn to me, there is free access into the presence of God. And even if you've been struggling this week, even if you messed up, even if you didn't pray enough, guess what? By the blood of Jesus, there's a new and living way and you can step into the presence of God and receive cleansing and refreshing and God will receive and accept you because he loved you enough to die for you. So don't let an accusation keep you out of the presence of God. Matter of fact, in your struggles, keep coming into the presence of God because Jesus paid a way for you to be here. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. It's a voice of reconciliation where the Father says, I know what you've done and I've paid for what you've done and I want you to come into my presence and I want you to keep coming into my presence. Amen. He tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. In Zechariah 3, 1 through 4, here's what it says. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So imagine yourself in the presence of the Lord and Satan just sort of wheels up to your right side. says, Yeah, Lord, I know he's worshiping you, but I got a few things to bring against him. And I love what it says because the Lord said to Satan... The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, is not this one that may have been walking in the ways that you wanted him to walk in, Satan? But did I not reach in and snatch him from the fire myself? And then he says, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes, which represented his sinfulness. And as he stood before the angel, the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Do you realize that when you become a Christian, there's an exchange? That Jesus becomes sin so that he who knew no sin, right, he could impute his righteousness to you. He knew no sin, but he became sin so that he could give you... He didn't deserve to take your sin, but guess what? You don't deserve his righteousness either, but that's why he gives it to you. Because he took your sin and he's imputing righteousness so that when you stand before God the Father, you don't bring your filthy garments in. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ himself. And every accusation that comes against you, this is why Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How is it that no weapon formed against you will prosper? He gives, he gives the prescription for it. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. He says there's no weapon that's going to be formed against you that will prosper. Why? Because every time a tongue comes up against you, it says you don't deserve God's blessing. You're not called by God. You're not anointed. The Spirit of God is not living on the inside of you. He's not going to save your family. He's not going to bless you in your job. You say, no, you know what? That's not what God's Word says. And I'm taking every tongue that rises up against me in judgment and I'm condemning it. And I'm saying, why? Because I've been I've been washed in the blood of Jesus and I've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and his blessing is upon me. 
Now, I know it's hard for most of y'all to say that because you just, you just prefer to be negative, right? <laughs> At least Matt laughs. How many of you just prefer to be negative? <laughs> it's funny how we're that way. Uh, secondly, i got to move on. The voice of fear. We're designed by God to make decisions based on faith working through love. But Satan's desire and strategy is to use fear to wire us to make decisions in our life based on fear. Are you currently making decisions in your life based on faith and the goodness of God and the possibilities in what God can do? Or are you making decisions based on fear? And fear and faith are gates. I heard somebody say this not long ago, but fear and faith are like open doors. Fear and faith, for example, fear is a gateway to the demonic realm. When fear comes into your life, a door opens and you look inside and all you see are the worst possible scenarios. You see death, you see destruction, you see things being taken from you, you see bad things happening, and when you function in fear, you can't step forward in God because you only see the reality of what Satan wants to do. Fear is basically Satan's plans being laid out before you. Fear is a gateway that opens the door to an inferior realm. And most of us, we function in that gateway. When we look at our future, when we look at our lives, we look through eyes of fear and we see the worst case scenario. We see the worst case scenario with our kids, with our health, with our job, with our finances, with our resources. And we just think, man, nothing ever good is going to happen. It's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. You know how often when it comes to this church, how many times Satan has tried to talk me out of doing this, what I'm doing right now? A lot of times. And what he all, one of the things that he always tells me is, Clay, it may seem like it's going good now, but just you wait. He'll tell me horror stories about other churches. He'll send people with horror stories about other churches. Well, this and split, and that one's angry, and that. You know what I'm saying? All this stuff going on. You all ever get in that thing where all, and then fear starts to creep into your heart, and you start trying to make decisions based out of fear rather than what God actually wants to do. Can I tell you that you got to understand this? You're going to fight some battles, and you're going to have some enemies on occasion, and there are going to be some battles lost, but let me tell you something. Jesus has won the war, and when God has called you to do something, no matter what kind of lies come your way, you've got to take hold of the truth and stand on it through the face of that trial. That's where you grab a hold of faith and you say, no, I'm not listening to this. Because faith, see, it also opens another door. Faith opens the door to the superior reality of the kingdom of God. That you know what? My children are going to be blessed and all my children are going to know the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. And they're going to be like mighty arrows in my quiver that I'm going to shoot forth into the heart of the enemy. And when they grow up, they're going to be world changers. The word of God is going to be on their lips. And I'm going to claim the scripture that our children, it says in the last days, the spirit of the Lord shall be poured out upon all flesh and our sons and daughters they're going to prophesy the word of the Lord they're going to have the word of the Lord in our heart in their heart you've got to get possessed by the promise of God it has to get in your heart and this is a fight because let me tell you something I struggle with this fight more than any of you I struggle with it it's a battle I wake up in the morning sometimes before I even get out of bed with negative thoughts in my mind and I've got to grab a hold of the promise of the Lord and renew it in numbers 13 they are Coming into the promised land, if you remember that story, basically God has delivered Israel from Egypt. They come across the Red Sea and God says, look boys, I'm going to take you into a land that is abundant. The thing flows with milk and honey. Matter of fact, when they first went into it, they brought some fruit back from the land and two guys were carrying a, a, a cluster of grapes that was six foot tall that hung all the way to ground all the way to the ground on a wooden pole and it's actually a picture of Jesus Christ because he hung between two thieves on the cross on a wooden pole and he is that vine which in which you will produce much fruit he's saying you're entering into the promises of Christ that's what it was a symbol of they brought that back man they said the land is abundant but here's the thing they sent 12 spies into that land to look at it now when you look into the word of God and you see what the word of God says do you see all of the possibilities of what God can do in your life or you, do you see all of the challenges and instantly say, that may be for somebody else, but that ain't for me? Anybody ever done that? That may be for somebody. That may be for Clay. He seems to be a pretty decent Christian. I mean, that may be for him, but it ain't for me. God doesn't seem to be doing any of that stuff in my life. Well, that's the same position that they were in in Numbers 13. But see, you've got to understand that our destiny is found not in who we think we are, 
but in who God says we are. Numbers 13, verse 26 through 29, it says, They departed because they had spied out the land, and they looked at it, and God said, I'm going to give you this land. It's an exceeding good land. But they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly does flow with milk and honey, boys. It really does. Here's the fruit. They had grapes bigger than your head. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So you start to sense that fear creeping into their hearts because they see the giants, they see the enemies. It's, yeah, it's a good land, Lord, but you didn't really realize what was down in there. Y'all ever tell the Lord that? Lord, I know you gave me this promise, but you didn't really realize what was on the other side of this. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass, Lord. You tried to give me a promise because you wanted me to be blessed and you wanted me to experience your goodness, but you didn't really actually realize what was going to happen. You didn't see the enemy. You didn't see that. Let me tell you something. The Lord sees your future. He sees the enemy, and he wants to raise you up because he needs somebody to conquer the enemy. God is not going to call you into anything where you're not going to have challenges and you're not going to face an enemy. You will face an enemy, but God has equipped you to overcome the enemy. He wants to defeat Satan through your life. And so when they stand against these guys, and here's what's interesting. If you do a word study, if you look at the names of all of the enemies, it's very interesting. You go back down to the root word in Hebrew. The Amalekites literally means, uh, of the root word, toilsome labor and severe work. Hittites means shattered, discouraged, or terrified. Jebusites, the root word, is to tread down, trample, or dishonor. Amorites is a talker or a sayer, literally an accuser. Canaanites, the root word, is that they traffic humiliation and they cause a loss of self-respect, dignity, and identity. I read that I thought to myself, man, that is crazy. Because you're looking at all your enemies, and literally here's what your enemy is trying to do. They're trying to convince you, Satan is trying to convince you that your calling in God is too hard a work for you to do. You ain't going to be able to complete it. It's too hard a work. And not only that, so because of that, you're discouraged and you're terrified about moving forward. And now Satan is trampling you down in order to dishonor you. And he just keeps on talking and talking and talking, accusing you so that you become so humiliated and ashamed that you lose your self-respect, your dignity, and finally you forfeit your identity to the devil. And you say, God's just not called me. Man, that's better preaching than y'all are amening right there. Y'all know this is true this morning, don't you? Some of you sitting in, that same, in, in, in this seat where you've heard all of these voices coming against you, but I love Caleb because the very next verse, Caleb sees this going on and them hearing these voices, and Caleb stands up and it says in verse 30, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. In other words, he notices that the, that, that the lies are getting ready to take root, so he says, let's not even think about this, let's not process it, because some of you are too reasonable and some of you spend too much time thinking in logic and not faith. Let's not think about it. Let's just go up at once and possess it. And then, and then all, the, all the great men of fact are back here saying, well, I don't know, Caleb. I mean, let's think this through. He's like, what have we got to think through? God has given us a promise. He's told us to take up this land. Let's go because God delights in us and he's with us. I like what it says because it says he silenced the people. Literally, if you read it in the Hebrew, it's almost like he interjected. He, he said, hush. Shut up. I know that's for many of you, that's like a curse word, so I apologize this morning. But sometimes you need to say hush to your voices. You need to say, shut up. I ain't listening to this. God delights in me. He's called me into this land. This is my calling. This is what he's moving me into. He's saying hush with that negative talk, but in verse 31 it says, the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were 
in their sight. Literally, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They put a label on themselves as grasshoppers. You ever put a label on yourself? I've, listen, I've done this. This is something at the beginning of the year that the Lord really began to deal with me about. Like even sometimes I will say, I, and y'all have heard me say this a lot, well, I'm just introverted. Y'all ever said that? The Lord spoke to me about that. He said, Clay, you need to quit saying that so much because really that's not who you are. It's just who you've believed that you are. And you've actually talked yourself out of doing a whole lot and being kind around people and being energetic around people because you've told yourself for so many years that you're just introverted. And I said, Lord, shut up. I'm trying to stay this way. <laughs> I mean, Lord, sometimes I, just, I prefer to be negative. You know what I'm saying? I just like to wallow in self-pity. <laughs> Any of y'all ever told the Lord that? Lord, I'm trying to stay over here in victimhood. I don't want to, Lord, if I'm not introverted, that puts more responsibility on me to even engage with more people. And I don't want to do that. That will preach. Let me tell you, many of you, you're not who you think you are. It's just who you've become, become because you've believed it so long. You're not who you think you are. It's just who you've become because you've believed it so long. And God wants to speak another word to you and say, this is not who you are. You're capable of far more. You need to start labeling yourself, not how you see yourself, not how the world sees you, not how you measure yourself up against the giants in your life and put a label of we ain't nothing but grasshoppers. No, Caleb was saying we're the children of God. We've got a promise of God. The Lord is with us. We're mighty men of valor. We have the power of God in our hands to go up against any enemy that comes against us. See, neuroscientists, they, there's all kinds of studies coming out about the brain more and more every day. But neuroscientists are saying that the majority of your inner consciousness is actually negative self-talk. you got an inner critic that basically just constantly putting you down all day long and telling you all the worst-case scenarios and how you ain't going to make it. And honestly, what happens is because we have that inner critic, we create a filtering system that if somebody actually says something good to us, we reject it because it doesn't fit into our negative narrative about ourselves. We could hear somebody come up to us with encouraging word and say, you know what? You're an amazing person. You've got kindness in your heart and God's using you. When you speak, people listen. And it's going to impact the world if you would just rise up in the call and on you and you're like, I just don't believe that. I just don't think that's who I am. Y'all know this is good this morning. See, our mindset will either drive us forward or it's going to push us back. One person said a mindset is this. It's an attitude or a cluster of thoughts with attached information and emotions that generate a particular perception. They shape how you see and interact with the world. They can catapult you forward, allowing you to achieve your dreams or put you in reverse drive if you are not careful. A mindset is therefore a significant mental resource and source of power. Your mindsets set your expectation levels, which will either be positive or negative. And this is why, one of the reasons why, Paul says over and over again in Ephesians 4.23, he says you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You put that verse up for me. You need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the general direction of your thought life. This is why he says when you're engaging in spiritual warfare in 2 Corinthians 10, he says the weapons of our warfare are not natural weapons. We're not fighting with swords and shotguns or whatever else. He said, but they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And what they do is they cast down arguments and logical reasoning in our minds that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and it brings every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If you want to do spiritual warfare... Instead of hollering so much at demons, which I'm, think, I'm sure is a fine thing. But instead of doing so much of that, what you need to do is pay attention to the thoughts that you are thinking. Pull down arguments and reasonings that are exalting themselves against what God is actually saying you are called to do. What God, who God is actually saying you are called to be. That's why Romans 12, 2, Paul says it again. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You can think what you choose to think. What voice are you listening to is the question. What are you feeding yourself? You can choose to think what you want to think. Your mind is under the direction of your will. 
But will you actively renew your mind so that you can experience the transformation? There's no limit to the transformation you can experience in God because there's no limit to the renewal of your mind and what you're willing to cast out of your thought life and bring into your thought life by the truth of God's Word. The renewed mind sees the world as Jesus sees the world. See, Joshua and Caleb... They end up coming to a place where all these people are complaining. They want to go back to Egypt. They say, boys, I can't believe you brought us out here. And in in, in chapter 14, verse 9, he tells them, he says, or verse 8, he says, If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But guess what? All the congregation said, stone them boys isn't it funny how like the people who say the most positive things and are the most faith filled are the people that people want to stone we don't want to hear that positive stuff (laughs) we don't want to believe God to do good things around here it's been bad for years and we believe it's going to stay that way (laughs) I mean isn't isn't it funny and you may say well I don't say that stuff yeah but you believe it in your heart He said, they are our bread. Faith enables us to see challenges as nourishment. Let me give you this last voice. The voice of hopelessness. This voice leads you to believe that the world is in such terrible shape that you've got no hope. Sickness is everywhere. You might not even should get outside. There's only death and depression waiting on you. And not only that, poverty is coming because an economic shutdown and a collapse is on the horizon. There's unrest. There's anger. There's violence all out in the streets. Everybody's mean and evil and horrible. And things just ain't going to get better. Even here in Clay County, people are just a certain way, bless God, and things just aren't going to get much better. It's just the way that is. You should embrace it and give up. You're like, amen, brother, let's go to the house. That's good preaching this morning. I mean, I'm serious, y'all. This is kind of, this is, the, this is the inner workings of our heart and mind. That is, it's the voice of hopelessness that seeks to convince you that things are never going to get better. But this is essentially why. In two places, Paul, the Apostle Paul tells people, he says, you need to put on your head a helmet. For a helmet, the hope of salvation. Hope is a weapon. A joyful expectation of good things to come. I think we sang a song last week that says, if it ain't good, God's not done yet. I think we ought to believe that in all of our circumstances, that if it is not yet good, God isn't done yet in this situation. He says, put on your head a helmet that is the hope of salvation. Salvation is more about going to heaven. It means Jesus' name is salvation. When there was death, He showed up and raised the dead. When there was sickness, He showed up and healed the sickness. When somebody was broken down and demonized, He came through and he cast out the darkness he changed every situation and it said you need to have a joyful expectation that on the horizon if we keep moving forward God is going to reveal his salvation to us in greater ways but you have got to protect your thought life and keep that helmet on and that hope on because any area of your life where you currently don't have hope and believe that good is on the on the way is under the influence of a demonic lie Right now, if you believe in something, you say, I just don't see any change coming here. You're being told a lie. And you need to get back into the Word of God and listen to what God says. So I want to give you four really quick things as I finish here that we've got to guard if we're going to listen to the appropriate voices and listen to the voice of truth. Number one, you've got to guard your hearing. Luke 8, 18 says, Therefore, take heed how you hear. I read that. I'm like, what? Take heed how you hear. I mean, if something is around me, I'm just going to hear it. My ears work, don't they, Lord? He said, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. See, the only power that the devil really has is the lie. And the enemy is using your situations and your circumstances to tell you lies. You'll never have enough. You'll never be enough. God will never use you. Things aren't going to get better in this situation. Your kids are wild. They ain't ever going to be saved. All of these lies are coming in there and he's trying to convince you this. And you need to take heed how you hear. You need to shut that voice out and you need to get a hold of God's word and begin to speak and prophesy the word of God over your situation, over your finances, over your family, over your children and believe what God says because if that hearing gets in there it'll start to get into your belief system what are you hearing what are you receiving that's one of your biggest problems Abraham he was tuning into a certain voice he was tuning into a voice him and Sarah you're too old some of you you tuned into that voice in here 
I'm just too old. Drucy back there, she's about 80 years old. She acts like she's 20. She ain't hearing that lie. She said, I got work for the Lord to do. I don't care what age I am, God's going to use me. She's tuning into the voice of the Lord that says, Hey, Abraham, the, the, the God said, You shall bless the entire world through your lineage. But he said, Ah, we're too old. What voice are you going to tune into? Gideon was tuning into a voice. Gideon was sitting down there, and he said, You know what? God don't do miracles no more. Some of y'all hear that voice a lot. God don't do any miracles anymore. He used to do stuff, but he don't no more. And now we're in this situation, and not only that, Ain't nothing going to change. I got a thresh wheat and wine press because, I mean, God's not around. He's not helping us. We're enslaved to the Midianites. And not only that, I am the worst of my clan who is the worst of all the clans. Essentially, I'm the worst. And you know what God shows up and says while he's tuned into that voice? The voice of God intrudes and says, No, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor, and you shall arise up and defeat the Midianites as one man. God is saying something different. It's a question of whether or not you're going to tune into it. Joshua got to a point, and he tuned into a voice that said, You know what, Joshua? Moses is dead, and you ain't no Moses. And not only that, these people are crazy and there ain't no way you're going to lead them into that place. You're not Moses. You don't have the leadership that Moses has. You're just not as good as Moses. You can't expect to go in the promised land. And God shows up and says, no, 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 no. That ain't the truth, Joshua. I need you to be strong and of a good courage and put the word of God in your heart because your way is going to be prosperous and you're going to be, experience good success. Only be strong and courageous and do not be discouraged and do not fear because I am with you wherever you go. God's saying something different, but the question is, what voice are you tuning into? And see, because the voice you tune into will shape your beliefs, and you have got to guard your beliefs. The greatest strongholds hindering the purposes of God in our world today are not regional demonic principalities, but belief systems in the minds of Christians. Christians have all kinds of power, they just don't believe it. That's a fact. If you believed you had the power you did, you'd share the gospel more. You'd pray for the sick more. You, you, you would do so many things much, much more. You would believe that when you came in here, you would worship more powerfully because you would believe that your worship shifts the atmosphere. You would believe that demons flee whenever there's a powerful worship from a Christian. You would speak the word of God because you would know the power of the word of God if you just simply believed it. Now let me tell you this. Jesus said, continue in my word and you will be my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I get saved by believing in Jesus, but I get free by believing like Jesus. Some of you believe in Jesus and you got saved. Thank God. Now Jesus is saying, won't you believe like me now? Don't just believe in me. Believe like me. See the world the way that I see the world. Believe that the Spirit of God is upon you the same way the Spirit of God was upon me because you are my Christians, my little anointed ones. You have received an anointing. Change the way you think and begin to believe. Can you surrender your beliefs that you're inferior to others? Can you surrender your belief this morning that something's just wrong with you? Something's just wrong with me. Can you surrender your belief that God does that for some people, but He don't do that for me? Can you, do you realize that those are belief systems? And you've got to push back against those beliefs. Can you surrender your belief that I'll never be adequate, I'll never be, I'll never be equipped, God will never be able to, to use me? Feelings, your feelings, do not validate the truth. They just validate what you believe is true. Let me tell you something. As Christians, we don't go based on our feelings. We go based on faith in the Word of God. And that's why, thirdly, when you start to believe something, it impacts your words. And James 3 says, you need, if you control your words, you will control your life. Whatever you want to see in your world, talk more about it. You want to be more tired? Just keep saying, man, I'm tired. You want to see more attacks of the devil? Say, well, the devil, the devil just keeps attacking me. You want to walk into more sickness? Just keep saying, well, I just I can't shake this sickness. 
You have got to get a hold of the Word of God because He says life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. you got to spit. Look, here's the thing. Your beliefs, you say, well, Clay, I'll start believing and speaking better things when better things start happening. Better things ain't ever going to start happening until you start believing and speaking better. You gotta let your faith rise above your current circumstances. You gotta let your words rise above your current circumstances. You got to say, I got Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. And I got a healed body. I got a strong mind. I'm not tired. I'm strong. And God is gonna use me to bring about change in my family, in this community. And today's gonna be a good day. God's gonna show up. Sometimes I'll get up on a Sunday morning and I hear a little voice say, Just another Sunday. You know what I got to tell that voice? God's about to show up today, buddy. This is going to be one of the best days we've ever had in the church house because there's going to be somebody get a hold of the word of truth and tap into the power of God and experience freedom like they've never experienced before. And you push back, well, there just ain't nobody getting saved. This is the day somebody's going to be saved. Praise God. Amen. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. See, he says, don't let stuff proceed out of your mouth that's going to tear down, but let stuff come out of your mouth that's going to build people up. And, And grace is God's empowerment. It's going to empower them to do what God has called them to do. Both the devil and God need our words to accomplish their will. Amen. Who are you going to use your words for? Here's my last one. I'm going to quit. Attitude. And this is probably, maybe I've shared with you before, this is my biggest spiritual problem right here. I can get into a bad attitude sometimes. But you know, I can choose to be a victim. I can choose to complain and be ungrateful. I can choose to worry or stay depressed or downcast. Or I can begin to move into the peace and joy that Jesus has purchased for me. Psalm 2-4, there was a guy I was listening to here recently. He, the Lord just, uh, um, I got to listen to him, I should say. And he was a nut. This guy was crazy in a good way. But he read this scripture in Psalm 2-4 and he said, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. And what he was talking about, if you read the context of this psalm, all, the enemy is making plans. And he's concocting all these schemes against the Lord and his anointed and his people. And you know what it says? It says the Lord looks back and he sits in heaven and he just goes, <laughs> that's hilarious, devil. That's a good one. And then he said, you know what? Here's the thing. That voice that comes to you and it says, you're just not going to have enough. Won't you just go ahead and laugh at that? God's laughing at that. He's getting a good chuckle out of that. Oh, well, God's not going to use you. He's not anointed you. Why don't you go ahead and just laugh at that? Because God wants you to come into such a place of joy that even when the enemy speaks, it is so unbelievable and such a clear and blatant lie against who you know you are in God. You've got no other response but to act, respond in joy and respond in peace and literally laugh at the lies of the enemy. A merry heart does good like a medicine. God has called you to a place of joy and peace and to shut those lies out. And when those lies come in, just laugh at it because you've got a God that is going before you to pave your way and He is chasing you down with his goodness and he has blessed your path and he's sending his angels before you to bless you in your way he's got a good life ahead of you does that mean you ain't gonna face bad circumstances you will but God's with you wherever you go and you've got a choice on how you will react what you will believe what your attitude will be and we can react in gladness and in joy and in peace and in hope that is unspeakable I want you to bow your head with me this morning you're here this morning and first and foremost you say man I need to give my life to Jesus and I need to be freed from sin and the power of sin and shame and I need to experience forgiveness and I need to walk with him won't you just take an opportunity right now to respond to the Lord if you feel him tugging on your heart if that's you I want to pray with you 
And if that is you, just between me and you and the Lord, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want prayer. I need prayer for that. I want to give my life to Jesus. I see a few hands here this morning. So we want to pray for you guys. Matter of fact, as we worship, I want you to come up in just a minute. For the rest of us, I just want us to take an, take an evaluation of the thoughts that we've been thinking, the lies that we've believed, and what God is calling us into. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just ask your Holy Spirit to come and tear down every stronghold and every lie that we have believed in any situation of our lives. Break it down, Lord. Shine a light into every heart. Expose every lie that the enemy has brought. And Lord, silence right now every voice with the power of your mighty voice that says the truth about who each of these individuals are. Holy Spirit, we are open to you this morning. We're asking you to move just in these next few moments, God, as we worship you and respond. But God, would you bring freedom into people's lives? Would you give them a new mindset? Would you give them a new perception? And God, would you renew their minds to the reality of who you have called them to be this morning? In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. We're going to worship. This altar's open. For those of you who said you want to follow Jesus, I'd love for you to come up here so I can pray with you here in just a minute. If anybody else needs prayer for anything, I want you to just come to the front. You can pray back there at your seat. But just take a moment with the Lord. Take a moment here with the Lord. Thank you, God.